Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Sunday night edition of the Dunktown Basketball Podcast. Got a lot to get to today. Going to do the Lakers offseason preview. Also got some interesting news to get to. I want to talk about Steve Kerr's comments today about using the small lineup in response to a question that I asked him. Also, there's been a, a lot of talk about the Kevin Durant to Golden State and what how, how the cap spike facilitated that and kind of dueling articles. So we want to hit on that a little bit. A few other little rumors out there as well. Danny has a, a take on the new resting guidelines as well that he's going to want to share. We're sponsored today by MeUndies. We're proud to say that for every pair of special edition Celebrate Undies you buy during Pride, MeUndies will donate $1 to the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Check out MeUndies.com slash Capspace today. And Blinkist. Go to Blinkist.com slash Capspace to start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan for either text or audio summaries of key insights of 2000s of the best-selling nonfiction books let's start here with what steve kerr said i wanted to ask him about this today because you and i have commented extensively going back to last year in fact on this idea that he just does not want to play the small line we talked about andre guadala maybe not being quite right he only played 21 minutes in game four but here's what kerr had to say about it and then uh we can react and i asked him if that small lineup why it hadn't played that much and, and why if we're going to see it more nate duncan dunked on podcast coach we've only seen 17 minutes for the lineup with draymond at center and uh, andre guadala how come we haven't seen as much as that? i know there's been some foul trouble with draymond and can we expect to see more of that going forward every game's different you know um if we don't have to go to that lineup we don't need to you know if we're winning and we want to stay big to, in order to handle uh, the rebounding with thompson uh, maybe we'll stay with Zaza. If we're down and we feel like we need to speed the pace up, um, maybe we'll do that. But every game is unique to its own circumstances, and we just adapt accordingly. Do you feel like there's a downside to going to that lineup earlier, even if you know the game is not getting out of hand? Not necessarily. Um, we were playing so poorly, it didn't matter who we had out there. For the reasons I just listed, we weren't boxing out. We weren't um, defending the point of attack. Our screen and roll defense was bad, letting all the shooters get open, offensive boards. So in that case, it doesn't matter who's out there. But again, if the circumstances dictate it, we'll play that lineup longer. It's not a lineup I've played for more than 16, 18 minutes in uh, any game, I would say, over the last few years. Maybe maybe two years ago in the finals, uh, we played Andre a little bit longer. But even that game, we went big you know, with David and Festus Azili. And so it's, it's, it's not easy playing small for you know 40 minutes especially against a good rebounding team so i thought this was pretty interesting danny because and again i'm going to preface this by saying i think that steve kerr is a top two coach in the nba and i have immense respect for what he's helped create in golden state to the point where it it's such a great system that it runs really well without him 
I still thought that this was very frustrating because he's basically saying here that he's not going to go to that lineup until they're down and that he feels like, no, you just can't play that many minutes a game with that lineup. He's only started it once since the 2015 finals where it just killed Cleveland once they were down in the series, of course. He started it plenty in that series and it was great. Uh, That lineup has only played 17 minutes, as I mentioned, and I think their net rating is like 60 or something like that. And the starters with Pachulia are negative one over the over that uh many more minutes of course and it really does seem like it's just very very conservative and it's rare that like we'll go on one of those rants and then it turns out that it's actually kind of like confirmed essentially by what the coach says when they ask him about it directly yeah, I didn't exactly expect that sort of a response, though that is, like, I talked about this a little bit with Tim Bontemps without having heard that audio, which is interesting because he had and I had not, of, of Kerr in terms of this being a feature, not a bug for him. And while I have my own strong opinion on it and have made that very clear before and stand by it 100%, he has this different approach. It has gotten them to where they do. And and one of the, the big questions that I have with Kerr is there are two different parts of this. One is it seems pretty pretty clear that those lineups are the best lineups and that he knows that because he turns to it when they're down. You know, it's kind of like when we need a win, when we need to come back, that's what we go to. And then the second part is, so how would that approach work if he was similarly conservative and they didn't have a distinct talent advantage? That's not necessarily a relevant question for the next couple of years for the Warriors. This team has an immense amount of talent and Kerr's system is a part of the reason that has happened. But there will be a point, and I think we've seen this at moments with the Spurs, where these stubborn coaches that don't want to change until they're down get burned by it well and he got burned by it in, in game seven last year when he just went back to festus azili for two minutes and, and he he has I, it seems like to me and maybe they have some data that shows this i'm not aware of what that would be and the only time that they've ever played that lineup extensively they lost because they got killed in the first quarter which was that game six the only time they've played that lineup extensively early in the game they lost because they got killed in that game six in the finals last year early in the game you know they were down 31 to 11 at one point i think in that game so this idea that oh we are gonna wear down we're gonna run out of gas if we play this lineup that much there's no proof of that whatsoever other than just this general idea that well you know small guys have to go against big guys but the fact of the matter is cleveland if you play that lineup they're probably gonna have to downsize as well and not play tristan thompson they're gonna go with kevin love at center most of the time anyway so i really just don't get it and and the big problem to me is they cannot stop the cleveland cavaliers unless they go to a lineup with green at center because zaza pachulia is just too slow and javel mcgee is not doesn't have the defensive intelligence and the pick and roll and makes too many mistakes and david west who should still get more time if you you have to play more of a traditional big at least david west has more quickness and, and intelligence and uh you know can actually like catch a pass and make a layup uh and has some chance of hanging with someone like lebron james on a switch maybe you know so at least like try playing him with all uh, the other four all-stars uh, then if you can't play guadal that many minutes uh but you know all those guys it's just, it, it really it is just very conservative it's feel it's and then it also of course bleeds into this idea of you know all right ever like going to our best lineup and playing our five best guys a bunch of minutes that's like 
like almost counterintuitive to the whole like strength and numbers thing and then also like when they go to that lineup part of the reason why they're so much more successful is they run a Steph Curry pick and roll and that when they actually did run Steph Curry pick and roll in game three they were extremely successful even if it wasn't Steph making the play they're getting a double team every time and when you have Pachulia in the game it's so much easier for them to do that strategy so it really hurts Steph's production a ton as well even if Pachulia is like you know kind of an okay screener off the ball that off the ball shit's not working even if you ignore the changes in system, which I agree with you that switching out Pachulia for Iguodala opens things up in a very meaningful way. I think that this point is so basic, but cannot be lost in this, which is when the Warriors go small, they add talent. Iguodala is a vastly superior player to Zaza Pachulia in most circumstances. I would say Livingston, you know, some of the other guys they've tried out there as well. When Cleveland goes smaller, they get worse. Tristan Thompson for much of this year was their third best player. He is their best or second best defender. And they're replacing him typically with Amon Shumpert or Richard Jefferson. Those guys are no slouches. They're talented players who can deserve minutes, but they're not as good as Tristan. They're not as good as Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson's really good. And so it's it's incredible to see that sort of a basic thing also be ignored. You know, there are certain teams where you're saying they're going, oh God, we don't want their small lineup on the floor. Cleveland's small lineup shouldn't instill that fear in the Warriors and being small when Cleveland is big shouldn't either, especially because that gets Draymond Green off of Kevin Love and onto Tristan Thompson. Yeah, it's really more important defensively to me than it is offensively because you just have more ability to switch. You've got more mobility to recover, help, get out to shooters which you know Cleveland just stretches the defense so much with their shooting and you have more ability obviously to make Kevin Love uh, pay defensively as well now none of this may matter it probably won't I mean it's still even if they play the exact same way they've been playing their favorites in game five but it still is a little bit uh it was very surprising for me to see it be like manifest it because I when I was going on that rant you kind of were too I was sort of like this idea that like you know I've never thought that Kerr would almost like kind of manifest that know and he's not going to agree with me that like that's a problem but like this idea that uh you're just that yeah like this is like the break glass in case of emergency and we just like we don't have to do this so we're not going to i was very surprised to to hear that uh from him um all right let's take a quick break here to talk to you about Blinkist. Blinkist is actually a product that I wish that I had invented. They certainly didn't steal it from me, but I had thought many a times as I would read nonfiction books that I wish this product existed because most people, when you read nonfiction, you're not necessarily reading for entertainment. You're reading just so that you can find stuff out that will help you gain information that can be useful for you in your daily life. But how much of that are you really going to retain if you read a whole 400-page book where like, all right, I can actually use this in my life? The answer is, you know, maybe 15 minutes worth. Well, how about if you just spend 15 minutes getting that information into your brain instead of reading the entire book? That's what Blinkist can do for you. They have over 2,000 of the best non-selling or the best non-selling, no, the best-selling non-fiction books transformed into powerful packs you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. Since you're listening to this podcast, you probably like the idea of learning on the go with your smartphone imagine if you could listen to the key insights of a non-fiction book in just 15 minutes that's what Blinkist does for you titles like how champions think shoe dog mindful athlete how to win at the sport of business you could listen to two to three books get those summaries of their key insights on your way home from work it's, it's pretty incredible if you are someone who enjoys learning it as much as i do it's a great way to do that in the absolute minimum amount of time so the way to get started with them you go to Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Capspace. That URL, very easy to remember. We're going to talk about Capspace with this Lakers 
off-season preview in a little bit. Blinkist.com slash Capspace. What else we got here? Well, we can talk about the interesting kind of nuance, I guess you call it, with Fred Hoiberg. So Gary Parrish had reported that he was emerged as a candidate for Ohio State's job. Thad Mata is now not no longer their coach. He has said that he is staying. I, I wonder how Bulls fans feel about that, but it's still interesting nonetheless because we still haven't seen a coach fired. Yeah, Bulls Bulls blogger was like entertaining hope that they that he might not be there anymore, but uh, alas, that hope did, did not come true. Um, how about this rust thing? You were critical of this on Twitter. Mark Stein did an interview with Adam Silver for ESPN Radio. Silver told Stein that these guidelines will quote unquote strongly recommend that home games only are used for rust and they are to prevent resting multiple starters on the same night. What's your issue with that? I have a couple issues with it. One is just the competitive balance thing because, you know, each, each team just by sheer happenstance, depending on how the schedule works out, they're, they're going to get some advantages and some disadvantages. And I don't think that the computer that the league uses for scheduling is going to take that into account. It should. It's not. And then the other part is just the idea of starters. So some people are like, oh, this is easy. It is not easy. Think about a, a good example of this is Drew Holiday. So Drew Holiday missed the first little while of the season because of his to, to help deal with his wife's uh, condition. And so is he their starter? Is the person who replaced him their starter? How does that work when a player is injured? You know, is if Tony Parker tears his, tears his quad tendon in January instead of in April, is Patty Mills then the starter? Can they not sit him? Or if since Patty Mills has only played 10 games as the starter, it does not count. And yeah, it might be more art than science, but I guess it's maybe the law background makes me go, yeah, I mean, this at the, at the present moment, it is only like a strong recommendation, but if they ever put punishment behind this they're gonna have to define these and teams are gonna try to game it they're gonna try to do other things and it it doesn't help like i mean i get what they're going for but if you're you're actively kind of trying to make your product worse in a way because you're just so afraid of losing revenue i'm not that worried about it to be honest just because really what this is designed to do is just prevent resting your best players on national tv games and that and also to take away the concern of all right this is lebron james one time in memphis this year and now we're not going to get to see him and uh and basically if you think about it it's kind of interesting this is probably my biggest problem with it is this idea that well cleveland cavaliers you have a duty to the memphis grizzlies because you're the team that has the star that you have to play this guy there as a and now you yeah i get it that you know home fans may go to multiple games but there's certainly plenty of fans that only go to one game at home and you know it's going to hurt that team's revenue on the secondary ticket market or whatever through like the team website if they're trying to resell tickets or whatever uh if they find out lebron james isn't playing that day or whatever but it's it's interesting to me and, and perhaps you know this is kind of a collective there's some socialist aspects to, to this to be sure that these 30 teams are all together and they all you know when one team is good and another team is bad they kind of support each other a little bit but it is interesting to me that road games were prioritized over home games i don't know if i agree with that but ultimately though the whole like multiple starters thing i don't think that's going to matter because number one nobody's really going to care unless it's a national tv game and number two nobody's going to care unless it's like one of the top 15 players in the league and so very few teams have 
multiple uh top 15 players in the league and if they are they're all clearly starters so there's i don't know how much ambiguity there is there and if they want to make sure that they're not going to have rest games on national tv games maybe don't have those games beyond back-to-backs that would help and they haven't they haven't changed it doesn't sound like they're working on changing those structural aspects other than adding a week to the season huzzah but you know there are ways there are ways that you can change that we know what the predictors are of when play when they're going to sit guys and you can change those if that's what you're really caring about but whatever we'll see what they do i'm openly skeptical but optimistic that they'll figure something out but we'll see interestingly gordon hayward reported by mark stein that uh quote unquote volume is is rising on the whispers that gordon hayward to miami is is a possibility couple things that are interesting here one is the idea that it's the team that is worrying utah because that's sort of a different thing than the team that gordon hayward is more interested in necessarily it depends yeah you know i i specifically omitted that just because i think that sounds more just like artful turn of phrase to make it see i wasn't sure i wasn't sure i didn't i didn't put any stock in that that's just my personal opinion there okay i i'm a parser you know you know that so that's that's the way that (laughs) i am so 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 i i parsed it enough that i decided to just parse it out completely and not even say it at all so but but let's get into the the nitty-gritty of it i mean i've said before that i don't write miami off for anybody anymore there isn't a reason it has they have a good team they have a great front office they're going to be you know competitive they are owed they owe two first round picks to phoenix so you have that as like one way that they're not going to get as uh, better but it's a lifestyle thing and when a player is getting their first time at unrestricted free agency we don't know what they're going to value i still think boston is a better fit for him in terms of talent competing for championships if he's going to leave utah utah has its own i mean they're going to be a great team if they bring him back but i understand what miami would scare would scare teams because they can sell a lot of different pitches that other teams can't yeah i don't know i I don't buy these rumors because i don't think like gordon hayward is one of those white dudes that tans very well he looks like he just would like burn in that miami sun i think maybe he's just safer safer in utah but but there's fun to be had indoors in miami from what i understand yeah i mean he's married i don't think he's like that into that kind of stuff we'll see i I don't know him personally but uh, to me this doesn't make any sense because Utah, if he stays there, is going to be better than Miami, I think, even though they are, they have to contend with maybe more talent in the West. And Utah can offer a little bit more money. And, and, you know, if you go to Miami, you're just kind of another guy who's played in Miami. Whereas Utah, I mean, he's, he would, would be a Utah legend if he plays another three or four seasons there and plays at a high level. I mean, they haven't really had much in the way of like long term stars there since Stockton Malone. I mean, he would be the guy identified with the Jazz from like the last like 20 years, probably, if he, sticks around any longer uh but anyway we'll we'll see i mean i i don't understand if i why he would go to miami other than just the lifestyle stuff uh because boston and utah in my opinion both give him a better chance of competing all right let's move on to the la lakers here it's a rarity but i actually don't expect them to do that much in free agency in part because magic johnson said that himself yeah, that certainly helps indicate it. And Johnson is, of course, very comfortable with the media, but also because there are direct incentives for them to not do so. Because for the Lakers specifically, but also broadly, the 2018 class fits them better than 2017. And as is the case for many teams that spent recklessly last summer, they're not really going to add much space between this year and this summer and next summer because the only guys coming off their books are Corey Brewer and Tarek Black, assuming they pick up his non guaranteed contract which guarantees pretty early in the offseason and because so you have that money that comes off that's about 14 million but then they also have Julius Randle jumping from 
making about $4 million to a cap hit of $14.5 million thanks to the new CPA upping, thanks to Kawhi Leonard and Andre Drummond and all those guys, upping the cap holds for these draft picks. Yeah, they took on Corey Brewer's salary this year in that Lou Williams trade. So if you're playing on using cap space, you probably wouldn't have made that trade this offseason. There's nobody really that sexy to go after. It's gordon hayward chris paul is not you know probably not going to want to go then they're, and they're bad they realize that they know how bad they are and that they can't necessarily attract a free agent i mean they are lucky it seems like that paul george has this affinity for them and so right now if they were to keep black who is a non-guarantee of 6.6 million this year they've only got 15.7 million in space and the only downside for them is there's really no way to use that money to just take on bad contracts because there aren't really any bad contracts that end this year uh and they don't want to take on any money past this year so i I mean i can't because you know in 2015 2014 like none of those contracts really are are that bad right like because they were signed under the old cap and there aren't really any two-year deals that were signed in the summer of 2016 uh, that are that bad uh either so the uh, i don't know how they're going to get much out of that space i mean maybe they just try to sign one guy for a one-year contract and we'll talk about who that might be to spend 15 million i mean i think they definitely should keep Tarek black i think for that 6.7 million i think he's a reasonable backup center uh guaranteed date of, of july 3rd do you agree with that yeah especially because you don't want a multi-year contract so i don't think they're going to get kind of a backup center that's better than him they might as well have him on roster and again it's a one-year contract so i I think that's a totally worthy use of that of that six million or so yeah the more interesting thing is that summer of 2018 when paul george will presumably be a free agent we'll talk about the idea of maybe acquiring him in trade before that as well george's maximum salary would start at 30.6 million that year if they strip everything off the books for that season they'd have 34.8 million so they could fit in paul george now they would be very hard pressed to get another superstar and of course the reason for that is that luol dang and timofey mozgov will be making 34 million dollars combined that year themselves i would not expect to see them under any circumstances try and trade mozgov and dang this year uh, but because it's just three years and about 54 million left on the contract for Dang and three years and 48 million left on the contract for Mozgov. But presumably they're going to be in a situation in the summer of 2018. And you mentioned Randall's cap hold too, right? So basically, if unless they clear space, they either got to give up Julius Randall or they've got to dump Dang or Mozgov essentially, or Jordan Clarkson as well, who's making about 12 million a year over the next four years. Uh, and Clarkson might actually be a, someone that a team could be interested in, although he's older than you think. He's like 25 already. Let's say that they want to move on from Dang and Mozgov with two years each left on those contracts at 18 and 16 million a year i mean holy crap what would it take to get rid of that well you've used the line before about 20 million for a first round pick and i think that's reasonably fair and those guys are providing some surplus value. I think Dang provides a lot more than Mozgov. You know, you're not just taking on dead money, but yeah, you know, you could see Dang being like a six million dollar a year player, an eight million dollar sure. a year player by that point. Sure, Mozgov so, is probably yeah. just you know a backup center who's worth like three or four million a year. And they already owe their 
2018 first round pick unprotected to the Sixers because they were able to hold through that protection for over all those years since the so yeah so they so they have that they don't have any first round picks out beyond that so it's a good thing in in general and then they have some basically second round picks out and in so you can call that a wash it's not exactly a wash but it's close enough and if they ever ask you to write like a hundred things that every laker fan should know before they die like them keeping those uh, two protected picks this long uh would have to be a chapter clearly oh absolutely and we could do one i could do one on the sacramento (laughs) book on their protection too Hey, I have a chapter on the Gilbert Arenas provision. I can get into CBA minutia and publish books. Um, so anyway, and if they could move on from both those guys, now you could fit in basically two max contracts, especially, and maybe, maybe you would just get to the point where they would just, I mean, it would be completely crazy. They might, if, although if they tried to stretch those guys, they might even come close to running into the provision that you can't have more than 15% of your total salary stretched, uh, or or paid out to stretch players. So that could, (laughs) that could be an issue too. They might not, I'd have to go and check and see whether they could actually stretch both those guys at the same time, but it's still uh it would cost a pretty penny but maybe you know if there's another max guy who wanted to go there in the summer of 2018 and i mean the superstar in the summer of 2018 right now demarcus cousins possibly kevin durant if he does another one plus one you have to imagine that he wouldn't be included lebron james and of course there were a few rumors about the idea that he would want to go play for one of the la teams i'll blew that when i see it but you know maybe it's a possibility i'm not really sure who else though you're going to want to use max money on other than paul george and, and i think this idea that you're going to get two max stars to go with like Lonzo Ball and actually I'm sorry excuse me I forgot to include Ball's salary in there so you're really to get George next year you're going to be kind of up against it you almost would have to move on from Dang, Mozgov or Clarkson or just hope the cap goes up a little bit more so it's definitely I mean it's just incredible like the Mozgov and Dang contracts have got to be like next to moral hazard in the dictionary and all these if you're a Laker fan who gets pissed at us for making fun of how terrible those contracts are well here's your problem like you can't even fit in paul george next year unless you make some moves you're gonna have to give up all kinds of treasure to open up more space you could have maybe had two max slots in the summer of 18 if you had managed things well and instead because jim bus and mitch kupchak both were desperate to keep their jobs and didn't know what would be a good way to keep their jobs uh and how to spend that money appropriately they just have these albatross contracts so you mentioned earlier the idea of taking on single year salary and something we haven't discussed in any of these offseason offseason previews but i think the lakers are a good place to do it is whether teams would give up anything of value and we can define a value later for these small partial guarantees of guys that they don't want to keep so a good example of this would be like Aaron Aflalo. Let's say the Kings don't want Aaron Aflalo on their books. Anthony Tolliver could have been the same way. Would they give up some sort of? Oh, by the way, did, did we report? Did we report already yes, that Tolliver got stretched on this show? Yeah, I, I, did I ever get a third retweet? <laughs> the only the only thing I've ever I, I, I've ever reported that to, the Kings did not stretch Tolliver. Um, I don't think it ever did. <laughs> but, but surprisingly so, but enough, so, people were not retweeting that during yeah. uh, you know Game Four of the NBA Finals. Well, wasn't wasn't huge 
on the radar at that point. But so, for example, like actually, the best one is probably Festus Azili. So yeah, it does matter to the to the Blazers if they can get out of Festus Azili's. I, I think it's a million is his partial guarantee. Right. But are they willing to give up? You know, like a late second round pick or the rights to some Euro stash or something like that for that? Because if they are, the Lakers should be going after those guys. Otherwise, you're looking no, more at those. It's just going to be cash, probably. They'll yeah. just pay cash and then wave yeah. them and, and like it's because they're over the tax. And the Kings, Kings maybe once you get to two million you might like but i mean i think they'd rather just have the second round pick given where they are and the fact that uh they're they owe that 2019 second rounder and the fact that they're not gonna be good for a while so their second rounders are pretty good so then you're looking at these kind of, it's funny that they're like white injured big men but spencer hawes and and josh mcroberts are probably the two best ones but again it ties, oh, yeah. in, it ties in with the idea of though of would those teams give up assets because the miami yeah. miami you know, doesn't have anything right right miami doesn't have anything in milwaukee meh, maybe i mean maybe they're gonna do that but you're probably gonna get like a middling second round pick now i would consider doing that if i were them and you get spencer hawes back in the staples center where he's made such great memories when he was a clipper so maybe that's an advantage too but i i think that i think that might be worth it that's the sort of thing that they should approach but it's a good illustration of how hard it's going to be to find those trades that i went through every single team and that's what i came up with what about the idea of trading for paul george now what are the advantage before we talk about i mean obviously you have to give up something but just just in a vacuum to me i would almost rather just go after him in free agency a year from now than trade for him now because uh i mean you well you know what the reasons are so does dwight howard <laughs> yeah because he could come there and maybe he doesn't like it and then he leaves them in free agency after they made this trade for him and then also if you do trade for him you get his bird rights now you have to give him a five-year deal and i'm not sure that i want to be paying paul george the, the max uh, I don't think that he will be necessarily worth that at the end of that contract for for the fifth year. I'd rather have him on a four-year deal, frankly, uh, which is the most, of course, that you can sign him to in free agency. I don't. And think then the- at least you know for sure that he's he's there for four years. He's yours. Whereas if you trade for him, you can't extend him at a market rate. So I guess maybe they could renegotiate and extend him somehow, but then they would have to send bad salary back to Indiana, which they're not going to want. Right. And they're and remember, out that draft. Indiana's already. considering Paul George this massive asset because he's the best player. That- they've had since reggie miller so you're not going to exactly get him as a favor you know even if they think that's where he's going to end up another team will probably give them assets give them meaningful assets as a rental if that's what they decided they wanted to do i don't think the raises are as big a part of it that's the other component of getting paul george now is that you could give him eight percent raises as opposed to five i don't think that lakers necessarily need that advantage maybe another team feels like they do against the lakers to make their offer there the years matter a lot more than the slightly increased dollars and also it's just the idea of do you want him to be a part of this team as they're still kind of working through it it's this is this would definitely be if if you're an optimistic lakers fan this would be the worst year of his time so do you really want that to be the reflection the hope is that you know lonzo or fultz or whoever they end up with is going to be you know they're going to set the world on fire but we know that rookie point guards especially young rookie point guards don't always work out that well so why what is the benefit of getting him now other than reducing the risk that somebody else trades for him and is paul george at 28 years old so good that you can't let that go that you that you just have to make sure that you lock him up and you can't just wait for the next good free agent whoever that may be yeah now the one appeal of getting him this year is that maybe they could 
get a lot better you know and like start to get close to playoff contention at least look like they're on the way up i don't know if this team with paul george actually makes the playoffs their young guys would all have to take quite the leap but they and then maybe if they were able to move mozgov and dang they could find a way to get another free agent in there because they look a lot better and paul's already there and he can recruit for you as well you know like that but i i agree i mean then you also there's the matter of the assets that you have to give up to get him and it's hard for me to imagine you know maybe there's if they could also dump mozgov or dang on the pacers but i I don't know that they have enough ammo to do that unless they're going to include i mean is d'angelo russell enough to get that done if you're the pacers to say all right not only are you know because we only have one year left to paul george and maybe that happens at the trade deadline as well you know we could see it happen there it could be more realistic but yeah it's uh it's pretty risky certainly to trade something but maybe at least if you can get off that money it becomes more palatable i don't know yeah i just don't think it's i don't think it's that strong of a case especially considering you know what indiana is going to be asking for so i I, yeah i mean i think i think we've kind of gone through that should we mention the other i mean i didn't think nick young was going to wait this long to make his option decision because a lot of other guys have but theoretically i I guess that's more interesting yeah well and we will get to that momentarily right after this from me undies pride starts on the inside so you can celebrate yourself with me undies they make the ultimate feel good undies with free shipping right to your door satisfaction guaranteed these are the most comfortable pairs of underwear that i've ever owned they are designed in la and they are made with micromodal a fabric three times softer than cotton these soft stretchy undies come in an ever rain ever changing array of colors and patterns and because MeUndies believes in people feeling good and being themselves, they are putting their money where their underwear is during Pride Month. For every pair of special edition Celebrate Undies you buy during Pride, MeUndies will donate $1 to the Los Angeles LGBT Center. And as if you need another reason to buy them, they're offering $20 off your first pair and a satisfaction guarantee that you'll love them or your money back. The way to get started with them, meundies.com slash capspace is that URL. Easy to remember the slash capspace URL, of course, meundies.com slash capspace. If you pick up a special edition celebrate pair of underwear, you'll not only get a discount on awesome undies, you'll be donating to an awesome cause. So what else we got here? We uh, Nick Young, his player option, I have it as one day before the draft is his deadline to decide. He almost certainly will opt out, leaving him with a $10.3 million cap hold. He's due $5.7 million next year. We thought that that would be absolute dead salary, but he had a, a pretty solid year shooting, uh, I think, around 40% on three-pointers, lauded by Luke Walton for his defense, although uh, any defense at all on this uh, porous Lakers squad would have stood out. I'm not sure I buy that he's like some above-average defensive player, but uh, I mean, I think he should certainly beat uh, that $5.7 million in guaranteed money, and maybe we'll just see them bring him back on a larger one-year deal now if they just can't use their cap space elsewhere or maybe something sort of in line with the jarebko amir johnson contracts with the idea being that they could maybe move him if they need to clear that money in 2018 yeah so they'll remember the new rules now for non-guaranteed contracts would make that a little bit more difficult because That's a good point. one signed under the new cba now you're if you have non-guaranteed money for that year you only count at the amount of the guaranteed money for trade purposes but but uh, I mean, maybe they could just do that just so that if they want to keep him around. They can. If not, uh, they could always just cut him and try to do better in free agency. But uh, Young, I think 
he certainly seems to like LA so we'll see what happens with him and, and you know as a nominal 3 and D player uh a reformed 3 and D player perhaps at least for the D part uh he might be more in demand elsewhere for a team that's trying to win could use a little bit of instant offense let's say that they just decide all right we'd like to get a little better this year we've got 15 million to use but we don't want to put any money into 2018 for uh, obvious reasons who do you think would be someone that they could realistically get for, on a one-year $15 million deal, perhaps with that non-guarantee, like you mentioned, in the next year? It's hard because a lot of guys want multiple years, you know, you, so you're not going to be getting Rudy Gay probably on a contract like that, let's say. So maybe you're looking at... Well, do, do you want to start with what they need first? Maybe that's where we should yeah, start sure. is, is what this team needs. So if we if we assume, and we can talk about this later, that they're going to draft a point guard, point guard probably is not their biggest need. They have a bunch of centers, even though their centers aren't particularly great. You know, Zubac, I think, is deserving of more, more minutes this year. I liked what they got from him. They have Mozgov and they're not going to move him so you might as well give him some as well and then Tark black we already discussed so i would say the biggest need is whatever you think is best fitting next to brandon ingram so if you want a, a four a four if you want a three a three either way and i'd say i'd say that's probably the biggest thing that's why i mentioned yeah. ruby gay first is because i think of brandon ingram long term as a power forward so i'd want a, a three next one i mean a stretch four or a stretch five i think is really important for this team just to have that option of yeah maybe we're not going to stop people but we're probably not going to stop people anyway. So why don't we at least give our young players some room on the floor, which they basically have never had with some of these centers that they've had. And Randall, of course, as well, if he's going to play a lot, he's going to play at the four, doesn't have likely three-point shooting range unless he really develops it over the off season. So in, in that vein, you know, maybe if like someone like a Mike Muscala slips through the cracks a little bit, you know, like a one year, $9 million deal for someone like him. Uh, I think Tolliver actually would be an interesting choice. Also a good fat in the locker room as well, though Tolliver may want to go somewhere where he can win a little bit more. Um, you know, Ursan Ilyasova would be another guy, depending on how much the league is valuing these guys. Because uh, we've mentioned these guys for a lot of teams, but we also believe in shooting maybe more than, than some people do. Um, how about Dante Cunningham? Maybe a little lower really more tier. Of a, I mean, I think they just ha- they're too impacted at the three and the four right now. Uh, I think they really, and especially in terms of like combo fours, I mean, they already have Dante Cunningham, but a better version of him. His name is Luol Deng. So I don't see any That's reason to, to get him. And I mean, they definitely... The other nice thing, too, about having like a stretch center is maybe like that means you can play Dangmore at the four. They're going to do their best to rehabilitate his value so it doesn't cost quite so much to trade him, hopefully. Uh, but they do have these young centers they are trying to develop a little bit black, Zubac, and they still, of course, have Mozgov, too, who maybe just be totally beyond rehabilitation. And I mean, just someone, too, who can just be like a pure spot up shooter. They could, it'd be nice to have that guy, too. You know, maybe another run for Jody Meeks. But I mean, they've got Clarkson, Russell, they're going to have Lonzo Ball probably. By the way, I, I, I do not buy this whole idea that they're going to like not draft ball uh, that would be t- very surprising to me and, and so, i mean i guess maybe they are just trying to like boost the value of this pick for trade purposes uh and they actually had like dennis smith in for a competitive workout today and he's projected well below their range this idea that they might like trade down or something uh they're perhaps trying to work the market there but i i would be very surprised they didn't just draft ball um and yeah so they got clarkson russell ball I and mean, that's like your 
three guard rotation right there because none of those guys can play anything above the two and then you've got ingram dang hey maybe they they probably actually could still use another wing though yeah i think you're right about that so so who who might we see there our old friend omri caspi would be interesting i i don't want him on the lakers <laughs> but that would be a possibility hmm yeah see it's it's hard like i, I like i wouldn't ever see tyreek evans go there on a yeah. one-year make good brandon can... rush returning to uh luke walton who actually got a lot out of him with the warriors as soon as steve kerr came back rush stopped playing so maybe rush has some fond memories of, of steve Curry's the kind of one-year deal type of guy you might see there can shoot it if the Kings decided not to extend the qualifying offer for Ben McElmore for some reason I would be very intrigued with something like the Lakers even though they have a bunch of guards just with the idea of if they would give him a one-year deal as a make good there there might not be that many better he'll get a qualifying offer I think he will too for the Kings but but yeah I guess you can also say hey maybe if they're trying to move Jordan Clarkson who you know right that's kind of available yeah now maybe you need another another guard there I mean, what do you think of clarkson's contract is that uh where is he on the nene test at this moment i think he passes it for most teams even if you see him as a backup guard just because those i think we're going to see some of those contracts get a little bit ridiculous this year but i could be wrong you know I, I think we'll see some good calibrators because waiters should get more than that and he's better than jordan clarkson to me so maybe i'm inflating where, what those guys are going to get but i think they're going to they're going to cash out a little bit and also clarkson's ability to create off the bounce is more valuable on the second unit when teams are looking for shot creation a lot more i don't think he's a starter but i don't think he's being paid like a starter he's an interesting player Uh, with his size there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to be decent defensively in like an actual real system he's got the tools for it he can shoot some he can pass some he can score some he's pretty athletic but you know you you would have to say for what he is right now he's overpaid maybe he can move beyond there i mean i think he's right on the borderline if you're a team that we've talked about like a team that just doesn't have any young talent like the nets that he could could potentially be a good fit there i mean if i were the nets i would probably just take him on you know just at what his salary is but if you're if you're a good team i don't know that he i would be willing to take the risk that he just never develops further right i'll give you a good example of where i think he could make some sense is orlando so orlando has less cap space than anybody really thinks and so he could kind of for some of these teams nuzzle in to those that area between the salary cap and the luxury tax so if they just have a you know expiring contract or something that they just don't really want and you get jordan clarkson instead you'd be pretty thrilled with it yeah and you know we've talked about this how many teams have we said wow they have nobody to create like maybe they could look at like tyreek evans or something right uh evans in his prime is better than clarkson but clarkson probably a better shooter and obviously it doesn't have the health concerns that evans has so maybe i am uh, undervaluing him because there just are, are not that many guys especially someone who has pretty good size who can actually create some shots uh and he definitely i would like to see what he could do just running a lot of pick and roll uh, with some spacing around him but perhaps uh he's a very difficult guy to evaluate i think overall i have a complete off the wall shot in the dark idea okay these are always good jordan clarkson and ennis canner so canner has a, a player option for next year which he might pick up but i feel like at that point maybe somebody would even just want him for that money so you're taking a little bit of a risk because he's more expensive but you get 
get if you see him as just kind of getting out of that contract and for OKC, I mean, Cantor helps, but he's not essential to what they're doing. And they need shot creation in the worst way. And the only other assets they have are the middle level exception or the 21st pick. They're not getting a guy with those that, that works. Yeah, I love your idea, but the Lakers don't have their 2018 first rounder, Danny. So uh, I don't know why you'd want to get the one guy who might make their defense even worse <laughs> than it already is. Yeah, but he makes their offense I, I don't better. see I don't see what the Lakers want with, with Ennis Cantor. He's not like he's not gonna be a cornerstone he can't start for them uh i don't think cancer really makes sense for a lot of teams but especially them they're uh at that point i mean i think you'd rather i'd much rather have and play zubach for you know 16 million dollars a year less and just try to develop him instead yeah, I guess that that logic applies more if you feel that Clarkson fails than in a test than if he passes it. Yeah, and, and I think I think he's a better value contract than Cantor, perhaps. And I also it wouldn't shock me. I think Greg Monroe will be an excellent litmus test this summer for whether Cantor is going to opt in or not. So that that'll be interesting. We're, we're going a little too far afield. I guess they do still have Corey Brewer on this team too. He might even be in the rotation. But again, because they can't tank this year, you know, we may see some different rotational. Oh, they can tank. It ideas. just won't help them. Yeah. Well, I mean, we saw that with the Nets last year. Yeah, that's right. They tanked on the last day of the season for whatever stupid reason. Uh, what else do we have to talk about in their Tyler Ennis. Are we, we about done? Oh, yeah. This was an interesting one. Yeah, so Tyler Ennis is the new Austin Rivers, which means a player who was dec- who had his fourth-year player option on the rookie scale declined. Fourth-year team option. Fourth-year yeah. team option, sorry. And had it declined and then was traded after that declined option. And so what that means is that the team, in this case, the Lakers, that that ended the that ended the season with him cannot pay that player even though he's an unrestricted free agent cannot pay that player more than the value of the option that was declined and so in his case that's about 2.7 million so i don't know if that's enough for tyler Ennis. I, I i legitimately don't but it's always fun to see how these guys work out yeah you'll recall that rivers in that same situation got in what was probably a more favorable player market as well got a one plus one for basically the most that they could pay him and then he opted it out again and got that three three year 36 million dollar two plus one uh so he certainly did well uh unfortunately the coach of the lakers is not doc ennis so uh, perhaps that path will not work as well for tyler ennis but he did show me uh, something down the end of the year and he was instrumental in what we thought at the time was a disastrous five game winning streak to close the season i actually was impressed with what he was able to do defensively uh, and started hitting some shots as well and he's you know pretty young he was drafted as after his freshman year three years ago so i think that he certainly is someone that should be in demand as a potential backup point guard it's a risk obviously he doesn't have much of a track record of performing well but he's young enough to improve and it'd be nice to maybe try and get him for pretty cheap now and maybe he can grow into you know a Corey joseph level type of player uh maybe a, a little bit better shooter but probably not as good defensively but to to be that sort of of a player i mean if i were the lakers i certainly i mean i guess the problem is they can't offer him a one plus one because again they're worried about keeping open space for next year i guess you could say well 2.7 million you can always get rid of that if you have to 
But I don't know yeah. if that's enough to keep him, frankly, unless they offer him even more years. And then why do you want to lock in at a low salary for even more years than that? Yeah, I mean, it's, the val- it's one of the other downsides of the low rookie scale. And that's part of what they were trying to do in the CBA was punish teams for, you know, for yeah. declining those options. And of course, also prevent a workaround from the CBA. So yeah, well, I get and, why and then, the rules are. I, I was going to say, too, if you're him and they're drafting Lonzo Ball and they already have D'Angelo Russell, who's like kind of a point guard, too, and they still have Jordan Clarkson, unless they trade Clarkson. I don't want to go back there. Uh, I mean, because the most they can offer me is 2.7. I might as well just go somewhere else where I have a, more of a chance to get uh, backup point guard minutes and I can potentially even get more money th- this year too. Or even if, you know, it's just, you know, a two-year, $4 million deal or something, uh, at least I, I've got a chance to get some more minutes now. Yeah, totally agree. So they also have, uh, we mentioned the number two pick. They also have the number 28 overall pick from that trade with the Houston Rockets involving Lou Williams and taking on Corey Brewer's salary, they will have an upcoming rookie extension for Julius Randle. I would be very surprised if they extend him for the reasons, again, that we talked about. And uh, But because they are planning on trying to use cap space, his cap hold is large enough, and I think he also is going to still is the number seven pick he probably considers himself you know a potential budding star uh i don't know if i agree but many players who are drafted that high feel that way about themselves and he does have some talent i think he could be a very interesting trade piece uh i don't know how much they can get for him but i would be watching very closely to see if they move on from him with the thinking that hey we're not going to resign this guy because we just don't have the money so we might as well uh, especially at the trade deadline if he's not like killing it for him and they're just like all right can we get something for him even if it's like you know a second rounder or a late first something like that when i talked to darius soriano who runs foreign blue and gold we talked about this and the idea with the changeover in the front office being important because they're not as wedded to these players that the prior administration drafted and that includes d'angelo russell too assuming they draft another point guard but to me the earlier the better if they make a decision that those guys are not a part of the next great lakers team because then it gives somebody else who might believe in them it gives them more time to figure it out and i think they can get a better return so i think that's true with with both of those guys but randall being the most important because he's about to get properly paid yeah, unfortunately, he hasn't shown enough to me that if you attach him to Danger Mozgov, that you could move on from them. Hey, maybe it's him and you throw in a pick, and now you could start to get close if there's a team that really likes Randall. But we'll see. I mean, he's got some potential too. It's just, it's so hard to fit in a, around him, which is something I, I actually went on. You mentioned Darius. I went on his podcast at Forum Blue and Gold last week, and we talked a lot about his fit in the modern NBA. So, but I, I mean, I think there is a, at least a 50% chance that as of, you know, July 15th, 2018, he is no longer on the Lakers. Oh, we should also mention David Nwaba. This is something they did with his contract that I really like. They made his minimum contract a team option. So what that means is if they decline it, then he becomes a restricted free agent. I mean, I don't expect that you would decline that and then be like, hey, yeah, we got him as a restricted free agent, but at least it gave them some flexibility. Yeah, the only real upside to doing that is if you wanted to get him and lock him into a longer deal. Uh, because at the time i don't think they had cap space that was the longest deal that they could give him was was two years under the minimum exception uh and nuava was instrumental in their tanking efforts he's pretty athletic i uh, can't shoot at all but it's uh 
I would imagine they would keep him around. I don't see any reason not to. And he still would be a restricted free agent next year anyway. This is his rookie year. So, uh, but but it was an interesting structure. And I think the there, there isn't an indication on whether that team option is also non-guaranteed. In fact, it would have to be guaranteed because they didn't have a non-guarantee this year. So basically, if he's on the team... And so maybe what they even do, Danny, is they decline that option and then they re-sign him in restricted free agency to a minimum contract that has more non-guarantees on it. Maybe that's what they end up doing. Could be. That's probably, yeah. Thank thank you for that short response because we spent enough time on David Duamba now. Anything else you wanted to talk about with these guys before we wrap it up here? Not really. I mean, let's just clarify that for both of us, if Markel Fultz is off the board, if we were the Lakers, as of knowing what we know right now, we'd take Lonzo Ball. Yes, I, yes. I agree with that. And I mean, then straight, watched. straight best best talent available at, at twenty eight because when you're that low, you're just trying to you're just trying to do take a shot at a dartboard. All right, that'll do it for today. Don't forget about our sponsors today: MeUndies, MeUndies.com slash CapSpace. Pick up your special edition Celebrate Undies. They will donate one dollar to the Los Angeles LGBT Center if you do so. And then Blinkist, Blinkist.com slash CapSpace to start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan. Blinkist.com slash Capspace is that URL. We'll be back tomorrow night when we either know whether the Golden State Warriors are the NBA champions or their fan base is absolutely, completely freaked out. We'll talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.